All right, turn with me to Joshua 1.9, please. <laughs> and it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Is this not the most empowering verse? It's just, I mean, life does come with its share of fear and stress and struggles. Yes, that's, that's, that's part of life. Yeah, it's a fallen world. But no, if this is God's word, he's saying this directly to you. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. What's holding us back? Honestly, this is like, this is, this is God. That guy is saying that to us, you know? It's something to be excited about, something to be, take pride in. This is, it's something we need to take through our week. It's something that we can't forget, something that we need to hold steadfast every day. It's, Amen. all right, thank you. All right, let's hand it off to worship and let's finish in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we will not have any fear, any discouragement. Heavenly Father, you are our king. Your hand is upon us throughout every day and every minute of every day. I thank you for you, what you've done in our lives. I pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You are so good. You've been so good to us, Father. We thank you for Jesus, who you pursued us through Jesus all the way to the cross, the resurrection, and beyond. And Father, we do thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And Father God, we thank you that we have this opportunity to praise and come together as the body of Christ in this location. Thank you for this day. We ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We have a few announcements this morning, but I'm going to start off with a special announcement. Um, Marlene Dennison has something she'd like to say for the for a couple of minutes, right, Marlene? See, I got them all trained. <laughs> 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 I would like to have the teens that were at the cooking class yesterday stand up. Come on. <laughs> I want you people to know that they are a tribute to Pastor Peter, their parents, and this church. They pitched in and did everything. I went to put food in the oven. They took the pan and put it in the oven. They cleaned up. They even mopped the floor. And with the message, you know, of my brother, Pastor Dan, having a stroke, I was really kind of down in the dumps. And they just brought the joy back. So I want to thank them. And I have a praise report. Pastor Dan is able to talk now. And he's ribbing me about carrot cake. So <laughs> 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 I imagine, right? <laughs> oh, 
I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Marlene. Thank you, kids. Uh, kids, teens. Sorry. Appreciate the, appreciate the effort. I'm sure Marlene does as well. And thank you, Marlene, for doing that. And at this time, I'd like to introduce uh, Sean Hershey, his wife, Kristen, and Kirsten. I'm sorry. I practiced that. It still came out wrong. Um, they've spoken to us before. It's been very riveting. It's been very important to hear what they have to say. And uh, thank you for coming up here, spending the time with us, spending the, the, the worship and, and fellowship, and ask your, uh, your blessing on the service. Thank you very much. And thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be back in Lake Elmo, although I kind of miss the trees. <laughs> I can't make a joke about the trees because they're not here. Although I did hear that Pastor John actually is up in the rustic Northwoods cutting down more trees. So I just missed it, evidently. But anyway, yeah, uh, Chris and I are glad to be here, and uh, it's always a privilege to be here with you all. We always enjoy uh, the fellowship with, uh, with this body, and you guys have a special church here. You have special pastors. And, uh, you know, it just blessed me so much as somebody who's been a youth pastor for 25 years, uh, you know, to see how the youth are so involved and engaged here, and, and even how the older generations, the younger generations work together and minister to one another, encourage one another. Uh, you don't find that everywhere. You should, but you don't. And so I really want to encourage you guys to, to cherish that and treasure that and, and uh, realize that you guys have a, you have a great church home here. So do all you can to contribute to what God is doing and what he wants to do through you guys. Um, I met Pastor John. This is kind of funny because I didn't know if this morning he had me preach because he wasn't here because he needed somebody tall enough to like keep the standards, you know, so, um, so I'll try to do my best to stand up straight and, and, uh, you know, fill his shoes. Um, it's funny because I met him. We actually had a church planting training at my dad's church in Dubuque, Iowa, where we live right now. And uh, Pastor John came down to attend this training. And, and uh, there's about a dozen people there. And so get up and we teach these sessions. And he just never looked happy. Like in the back row, he just, he just looked grumpy and just, and it's funny. And then the third day, uh, everybody has to share like what they've got out of the training and they put together like kind of a plan and a vision based on, you know, what God's taught them and what they're doing. And, and so he got up and said, I really didn't want to be here. You know, that God made me come and this, all this stuff. And uh, so it was, then I understood, okay, it wasn't just that he didn't like me. He was just really kind of wrestling with God about something and, and God had, had had him come to this and God was calling him to do some things that, that uh, he thought he was kind of done with. And, and uh, then from that point on, then everything was really good. And then he smiled a lot more and, and really understood his heart. And, and he shared about, you know, the vision for uh, St. Croix River Valley up here and what God is doing through you guys. And, and the vision really that God has in mind for River Valley Christian Church and for the other churches that are part of this family. Amen. So I really uh, cherish that relationship with he and, and Pastor Deb and, and the, the rest of the leadership that we've been able to get to know and, and help train and, and hear from and get encouraged by over the years. And last summer, uh, this not this past summer, the summer before, we were able to be at youth camp and to be able to be a part of that and do some training with the teens. And that was cool. And, and Kirsten was commenting this morning, like, what's in the water up here? Even their kids are tall. Like, oh. <laughs> so, but she's short. So maybe that's... That's part of the deal, but we're very glad to be here, and 
And uh, God has us going through a special season. In 2018, we moved back from Germany after 10 years on the mission field there, and God's had me going back to school and, and learning a bunch of stuff and transforming me and the way I think and getting us ready for our next phase. But I'm thrilled to be here this morning, be able to share with you guys. And if you would, go ahead and open your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll start there this morning. Um, if you got your Bible or you've got it on your phone or you've got a paper one or however you uh, have your Bible with you, this morning. The Bible is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So let's go ahead and pray as we get into the Word today and just really ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. And I really want to encourage you to open your heart to what God would speak to you this morning, because I think what we're going to talk about today is really going to be critical for you and your walk with God and what God is wanting to do in you as an individual and what He's wanting to do in the church. Amen. Well, Father, we just look to you this morning. We thank you that you're here to work in us and through us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. And we just open our hearts to your influence. We thank you, Holy Ghost, that you gave us the Scriptures. We thank you, Father, that you're here to teach through the gift that you've placed on my life. And you're here in each of our hearts to help us to understand and comprehend what to do with the Word that you want to speak to us today. Father, we give you your place in our lives in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Here in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 14, Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. And uh, when I was in Bible school, we had something called prayer school that was every day at 1 o'clock, so we'd go to class all morning and then run home, grab lunch, and then go back for prayer school. And uh, one of the things they taught us to pray was to find these prayers in the Scripture and then to pray them out loud for yourself and for others. Because First John says that if we know the will of God and we pray the will of God, then we can be sure that what we're praying, God is doing. Amen? So if you see prayers in the Scripture, then that's just like a, you know, a free lunch coupon. Like, go cash that thing in. As soon as you're praying it, it's happening. You know it's the will of God because it's in His book, right? And so I always make a habit of praying these things for myself, praying these things for my kids, praying these things for, you know, people I'm going to minister to or whatever. And, and so as I was praying for you guys this morning, I was praying out of this again. And uh, this is one of them. There's several other ones. There's one in Ephesians uh, 1 as well. But I want to look at this here in chapter 3 this morning, starting in verse 14. Paul writes, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And when I, when I pray this, when I read this, I think it's amazing that it says that we can be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When I was going to Bible school, I had a New American Standard Bible, and it said that we'd be filled to all the fullness of God. That's pretty full, right? That we'd be filled 
to all the fullness of God? Or we be as full as God intends us to be? Or we would be, as this says in the New Living Translation, we be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And, and I don't know about you, but if you've come to know Christ and you've experienced Him, then you want to experience more of Him. You want to grow in Him. And you want to not just have a little piece of him but you want to get all you can you want to be made complete you want to be who jesus has saved you and made you to be amen so in looking at this this morning you know god was drawing my heart to second timothy chapter three and so you can leave a finger here if you want to or you know whatever you want to do if you have a digital bible you can't really stick a you know bookmark there but go back to uh, go to second timothy chapter three i want to look at something there for a moment because we want to talk about this morning about how do we allow God to do that in our lives? How do we allow Him to bring us to the place where we're complete in Him? Where we're walking in the fullness of what He's made available to us and what He wants us to walk in. And this is what blows people's minds sometimes, especially if we've come from a, from a religious background. We think that, okay, well, I can never be good enough and I'll never measure up and I'll never, you know, be all that God wants me to be because I'm just a lowly little, you know, guilty, this and that. But Jesus said that we can be filled up to all the fullness of God. That means you can be everything that God created you to be. You can. In Colossians chapter 1, it says that we can be filled with the knowledge of His will so that we walk in a manner worthy of Him. That we can actually live a life worthy of the price that Christ paid for us. And not only that, but He said pleasing Him in every good work. So it's possible for you to be who God's called you and made you to be. And it's possible for you to please God all the time. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, that's good news. I mean, honestly, how many of us walk around with the attitude most of the time that I can please God all of the time? All the time. Everything I do can be pleasing to Him. Everything. All the time. Am I ever going to be perfect? Nope. But I can live a life where I'm complete in all the fullness of God. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul talking again to, to Timothy here, and he's talking about Scripture. He says, starting in verse 16, he said, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So again, we're talking about being all that God has created us to be about fulfilling His purpose for our lives. And it says that God gave Scripture to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And part of that preparation, that equipping, is making us whole. Right? In, in the time when the Scripture was written, that Greek word for equip was the same word that you would use if you're going to put you know, a cast on a broken leg. That's, that's what they mean by equipping. You'd do something to make it whole and make it sound again so that it's useful. And so when we think of equipping, we usually think, okay, somebody's teaching me how to do something. Somebody's putting a tool in my hand. Somebody's, you know, teaching, giving me the, the proper, you know, software or the proper hardware. That's what we think of equipping. But equipping also has to do with how we are being formed, transformed, made whole and complete in Christ. But what I want us to look at this morning is how that happens. 
Verse 16, again, it says, all Scripture is inspired by God. That means it's God-breathed. That means the Holy Spirit spoke through people to get the Scriptures that we have today. It was a work of God and man together. He says, and it's useful to teach us what is true. Sorry, I'm giving you a European one. That's a one and that's two. To teach us what is useful and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. And this is what I want us to focus on for a little bit this morning. It says it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, we usually like the teaching part, right? We like the teaching part. We like when somebody teaches us what is true. We like to hear the promises of God and all the good stuff. And we don't like the realizing what is wrong and being corrected. Right? Anybody here just love being corrected? You're like, oh, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Just tell me. But here's the deal. It's important for us to learn that. Because if we don't open ourselves up to the correction of God, we will not grow in the full dimensions of what God wants us to do and be. If all we want is the the positive, happy, clappy stuff, and just the promises, promises, give me more promises, give me more goodies. We're never going to be who God made us to be, right? You know, it's just like, well, I'm going to go to Thanksgiving. That's my favorite part of, of being healthy. But I never want to exercise. I never want to get off the couch. I never want to do all that stuff. I just want to do that you know, eating, and I'm really into nutrients, right? I'm into like Whoppers and Big Macs and, and you know, all these kinds of nutrients, right? Well, yeah, that's good, but you need the other half of it, right? You need the, the exercise and the motion. Did you know that actually standing up makes your bones stronger? Did you know that? That's a free fact for the day. I won't charge you extra for that. But God gave us His Word and His Spirit in order to empower us and to correct us. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3. See if I beat you there. See how quick you are. Ah, I'm there already. Anybody else there? Okay. Ephesians chapter 3, let's start in verse 17. It says, Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Now here's what I want us to think about in this, in this context of being open to God's correction. It says that Christ will make his home in our hearts, right? We just moved back to the States and, uh, at the, in, at the end of January, actually, 2018, and then shortly after that we bought a house and it was a miracle that they gave us financing that I didn't really even have a job yet, but praise the Lord, we've paid our mortgage on time every month. Uh, but we've moved in, and it's been a process. Even before we moved in the house, we were on Facebook Marketplace looking all over, like, oh, there's a couch, and oh, there's this, and oh, there's that. And my dad was just like, like, how are you guys finding all this stuff? And then we moved in, and the house was basically full. And he was like, I don't even know how you did that. You moved back from a foreign country. You know, you just sent some stuff in boxes ahead of you. You had no furniture. And then you move into a house, like in March, and boom, there's stuff there. But you know, over time, then we've painted walls, and we've changed this, and we changed that, and we installed this, installed that, and we're, you know, constantly tweaking, and, and uh, what have we done? We've, we've been making this house our home, right? We've been making it somewhere that fits us, 
somewhere that pleases us, somewhere that works for us, right? We went to Ikea and we got this little like bench coat rack thing that's like by our back door. You come in for the garage and it kind of turned into this little space into a mudroom. So you can come in and kick your boots off and hang up your coat and then, you know, go into the, the kitchen and everything. And we've been working on it to make it our home. And this is what he's saying. If we're going to really be made complete in Christ, we need to allow him to make our hearts his home. And you may say, well, the Bible says that Jesus lives in me and that the Spirit lives in me. Yeah. How many of you know there's a difference between a house and a home? Right? You know, and really making something a home means making it fit you. means finding all those things that you, eh, I don't really like that, doesn't work for me, and switching it out. Right? And I remember we first got into this uh, when we had bought our first home. And anybody remember the, the TLC show, Trading Spaces? You know, where neighbors would like go to each other's houses and then they'd pick out a room and then they'd remodel this room without each other's input. And, and it was crazy. Then afterwards, people would be like, oh, this is amazing. Or, oh my gosh, I hate this. This is terrible. But, you know, we got, we got the, like the home reno bug. And uh, I remember it was around, around 9-11 in 2001. I had like a week of vacation and, and we had this house had like this embossed wallpaper in the kitchen that was like painted over with like lavender paint. And for us as like, you know, mid twenties, uh, you know, young people were like, that's really not our thing. And, and so I think it's my wife got her finger behind this little like rip in the wallpaper and just kind of started pulling it off. It led into a complete overhaul of our kitchen, right? We took off took off all the wallpaper, we repainted the walls, you know, a nice brick, kind of a red color. Uh, the the kitchen was had like a dining area in it, and it kind of sloped down in the one area because it had been the porch, and they had enclosed it, but they didn't level out the floor, so got in the basement, and went under the beams, and separated it, and shimmed it up, and flattened it out, and put new, you know, laminate down, and redid the whole kitchen, and it was like, ah, this is our kitchen, right? We like it. But it started with taking off something we didn't like. And when Jesus is making himself at home in our hearts, it's not just that he comes in and adds stuff that we like. It means he also comes in and he wants to take out stuff that he doesn't like. Okay. I'll just wait till that sinks in a little bit. But it's about letting Jesus make himself at home in our hearts because he wants to settle in. And it's funny because the next scripture here, the next verse, the next half of this verse says, then your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And if you think about it, a plant's roots, you know, you plant the seed and, and the seeds, you know, fairly close to the top of the soil. And what, where do the roots go? They go down. And the deeper they go and the broader they go, the more stability the plant has. That's part of it. And the more nourishment the plant gets. Correct? Hopefully there's no botanists in here that are going to say, no, you're completely wrong. <laughs> All right? But the idea is for the roots to go down deep. And as Jesus makes his home in our hearts and he starts to lead us into some areas, it's real easy to let him do the things in our hearts and lives that are kind of on the surface. And like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you can do that. That's easy. I didn't really even like that anyway. You can get rid of that coffee table. Like, big deal. It's old. But when Jesus comes in and says, hey, I want to tear down this wall. And you're like, ah, like that's going to make a mess. And 
I'm not going to be able to use my kitchen for three weeks. And, you know, right? It, it makes us nervous. But there's a work that God wants to do in your heart, and this is what He's trying to say to you this morning. There's a work that God wants to do in your heart that's got to go deeper than what you've allowed Him to go in your life so far. Jesus wants His work in your life to go way below the surface to a place where His work in your life becomes an anchor to your heart. And for some of us, there's been a lot of things where the Lord has really drilled down deep and we've been like, oh, Jesus, I don't like that, but okay, do what you want to do. And others of us have been like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Uh, let me get out of church and I don't have to think about it for another week. Right? But there's a hunger, I believe, that we have in our hearts to go further with God. There's a hunger that we have in our hearts to know more of Him, to know more of who He is, to know more of what He wants to do in and through us as individuals in our own homes, in our own workplace, in our own neighborhoods, and in this church, in this region, through this church. But what he's saying this morning is that there's some things in our lives. He's taught us a lot, but there's also some things that he needs to correct. There's some things that he wants to come in. He wants to make adjustments. He wants, he's trying to tell us this won't work. You've gotten this far in your walk with Jesus and you, in your maturity with him. And then you come up to this point where it's like, well, up to here, it's been all good, but I, I'm not crossing that line. Like, Lord, I don't want to let go of that. Lord, I don't want to take that step. And we stand at that point and we go, Jesus, I want more. Jesus, I want more. And Jesus is like seven steps that way. And he's going, well, come on then. And you're like, Jesus, I want more. And he's saying, well, come on. You're like, I don't want to move. Because we know what that next step's going to cost, right? We know if I allow him to correct me and to say, this is, this is a bad attitude. This is a, a habit that I've allowed you to walk in up till now, but now I'm Lord's putting his finger on it and saying, you know, where you were in your spiritual maturity that was sufferable up till now, but now for you to grow further in your walk with me, you need to cut that out. This attitude that you've had, this grudge that you've been holding, it's time to pull that weed, right? It's time to deal with that. It's time to accept the correction of the Lord so that we can grow to the next step in Him. Because it's about transformation. Go ahead and look with me in Romans chapter 12. And I'm sharing these things because these are things that the Lord has been doing in my heart and my life, even over the last few years of going to school and learning more. And when we first moved back, I thought, okay, God's called me to go back to school. He needs to give me a bunch of new, up to date information about stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. So here we go. I'm going into coming in with my bucket saying, okay, God, fill my bucket with more information. I'm ready. But I was not very excited about it. So I started back to school. And in the first month, 
the Lord reminded me of this verse, and I, I understood that my my further education had a completely different focus in the eyes of God than in my eyes. He says here in Romans 12:1, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Ah. So God sending me back to school, God leading us further into His Word, God showing us areas where we can change and things we need to let go of is not just about you know information. It's not just about a habit, but it's about our worship. It says that what we do with our body is, is how we worship God, right? This outward life, it's not just about what you think and what you believe on the inside, it's what you actually do. And he said that when we, we start to think different, when we don't copy the behavior, behavior and customs of this world, but the way that God transforms us by changing the way we think. And so I realized I had come so far, I'd been in ministry for 25 years at that point, and I realized that I wasn't just going to inform myself, I was going so God could transform me into the person He needs me to be for my next season. In other words, God said, who you were was fine for then, but who you are is not enough for later. Who you are is not who you need to be for the next thing. I need to shape you. I need to transform you. I need to mold you. Right? Let me put it in guy language. That TV that you had was good for the last 20 years, but for the new standards, you need the big flat screen with the 4K resolution. Right? And that's the thing. I mean, when we upgraded our TV years ago, I realized, wait a minute. If we upgrade our TV, that means I have to upgrade whatever's sending the signal to the TV because if I get a great TV with a high resolution, but I'm sending it like standard cable, it'll look like junk. So I had to change the transform the whole system to get the upgrade to the to the new thing. And this is essentially what God's saying, like, hey, I've got this whole new thing for you. I want to upgrade your your who you are in me and, and how you function in me and the impact that you make in this world. I want to upgrade that, but you're gonna to have to let me come in and correct and remove and unplug and change and rearrange some stuff so that you become who I need you to be for your next phase. And when us guys, you know, we, we go to Best Buy and we look at all the things, we're like, oh, cool, man. We go home, we're like, hey, we could just, you know, we get the tax return, we could, and our wives are not as excited about it, right? And we're like, we just keep selling it, like, you know, we're going to, well, and, and I, you know, I'll drive my motorcycle less. No, you won't. But in the same way, this is what Jesus is doing this morning. He's saying, listen, I've got this whole thing, right? I've got this whole new level and it's going to require some changes and you're going to have to pay a pretty high price, but it's going to be totally worth it when it's done, right? And that's what it was with us. Like going into this kitchen remodel, it was like, oh, it was ugly and we tore the wallpaper off and then there was wallpaper glue everywhere. Well, and then some walls, we had like three or four layers of wallpaper because the house was 100 years old, right? So we had to scrape through all this wallpaper, take all this stuff off. 
finally got down to the bare walls. Well, then they were scarred and nicked, and then we had to, you know, spackle those and make them smooth so that we could paint them, and they looked good. And like I said, we had to level up the floor. And then the middle of the floor was kind of a dip because the house was so old. So then we figured out from taking the linoleum up uh, that we it was just like a quarter or an eighth of an inch in the middle. It just sloped down. So we would just like take big sheets of linoleum and put them across and then smaller ones and smaller ones and smaller ones. And so we got it all level and then we put the laminate down and then it was like nice and flat and solid and it worked. Wasn't perfect, wasn't the best idea, but it worked. All right. And it's a lot of work, but in the end, it's worth it because it's what you want, right? And like we said from the outset, what we want is to be filled with all the fullness of God. We want everything that He has for us because what He has for us is amazing. Is there a price to pay? Yes. Is it fun being corrected? No. Is it fun letting go of old habits? No. That's why we have fellowship with other people who, who know the Lord and we're like, man, the Lord's really challenging me in this area and we can encourage one another. And some people are like, yeah, He's been talking to me about something similar. And, and we can really... Take each other by the hand and, and walk forward in this thing together. That's why we have church, right? Being a Christian is a team sport. It's not like golf, right? <laughs> just go out and do your own thing and people all around you cheer. That's not the way it works. Anyway, and it's interesting because something that we learned uh, when we moved to Germany is we would have people come up to us like in the first you know few months that we were living there and this guy came up to me after like the second or third service where I led worship and, and I thought it went fine. And he's like, well, you know, that's, this is blah, blah, blah. And he's telling me like all these things that I did wrong, that he thought I did wrong at least. And I thought to myself, who does he think he is to tell me like all this stuff? Like I didn't ask him, you know? And, but as we lived there longer, we realized that Germans, um, not only accept correction from their friends, they can actually make friends through correcting each other. Because, and this is so weird, they value doing things correctly so highly that they want somebody to tell them if they're doing it wrong so that they can change and do it right. Part of it becomes because they, they get exposed pretty early as kids to the reality that, you know, if you're not doing something right, you'll get graded for that, as evidenced by the fact that they actually get graded in gym class. Like, gym grades are real grades. And American kids, like, I can see your face, you're like, okay. That's a thing. Uh, it's interesting, because Kirsten had this experience. She was um, helping lead worship for uh, a lady's prayer thing. And was she playing flute with you or is it? Okay, so she had this lady coming to play flute. Kirsten was playing keyboard and they were doing some songs and, and she recognized that this lady was, was playing a couple parts of it wrong and she didn't know if she wanted to say anything to her because the lady had just been really grumpy, like just kind of gruff and just not excited like to be leading, you know, with her and just not a cheerful person. And so finally she thought, well, I gotta tell her, right? So, so then she tells her, hey, actually on this part, you know, it actually goes like this. And the lady's reaction was, oh, wow, okay. And she changed. And after that, it was like they were best friends. She followed Kirsten around during like the fellowship time and to the buffet table. And it, was like, and it was like the light went on for us, like ping. Ah, interesting. Because there's so many people there that it's like correction is an expression of the fact that I notice you. 
and I care about what happens with you. So I care enough about you to tell you the right way to do it so that you can do it better later. We're like, okay, well now if I think back, click, 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 click. Now I understand why this guy came up to me and told me that he thought I was doing stuff wrong. He was trying to kind of break the ice and like, you know, start a, you know, mutual relationship and whatever. But me as an American, like, you don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Like, I mean, even if you're my best friend, right? Even if you need to tell your best friend they're doing something wrong, you really got to approach it just right and catch them in the right mood at the right time and they have to have been having a good day and, and the topic just kind of has to come up and then you can just kind of maybe mention it and hope that they understand what you mean so that you don't just have to be like, dude, your breath smells, right? <laughs> you don't, you don't want to go there. But it's interesting, you know, to compare these two cultures because in America we're all about the glass is half full and, and we're the, you know, we are the culture that invented cheerleaders, right? <laughs> A group of young people who stands on the field next to the other young people and tells them how wonderful they are the whole time. Like, that's America, right? Welcome to the United States. Right? So you compare that with like Germany where everything is, let's do it correct, let's do it right, let's innovate, let's think this through, this is practical, it's not about your feelings, it's about how it works. And <laughs> the thing is, Jesus was not American and he also wasn't German, like he was Jewish, right? And when we're talking about cultures, there's only really one culture that matters, and that's the kingdom of God culture, right? The heavens culture. And so sometimes for us as Americans, we have to realize, okay, I think heavens culture might be a little different than my culture in some ways. And God is saying, hey, Americans, you know, grow a spine, like accept some correction, like be ready to hear some things, like there are some things you do wrong occasionally, like, <clears throat> you know? And so if we're going to grow in Christ, some of this we need to kind of push off and be like, okay, all right, God, I'm ready to hear what you want to tell me, right? And the thing is, God is not trying to attack you and take you down. And this is what I want you to hear this morning. When we're talking about being open to the correction of God and being open to allow Him to speak to our hearts and show us areas in our lives that we need to change, things that need to maybe be removed, attitudes we need to repent of, relationships we need to go and, and apologize and make things right with, right? We're not talking about God trying to ruin your life or ruin your day. What we're talking about is God is trying to open up the door to the new thing that He wants to do in your heart and in your life. The thing that you've been crying out for, God, I really want to experience you more. I want to, God, I really want to see you work more in my life. And he's saying, yeah, and I've been dealing with you just about this one point of correction. I've been dealing with you about this one habit. And you're like, yeah, I know. But God, I want you to do more in my life. And he's saying, there's a habit that I've been talking to you about for like three years, right? And you're like, but God, I don't. Hello? Actually, a guy I saw on a Christian TV one time was saying that um, he was spending some time praying. He was going to a Christian university, and he got on his knees, and he said, God, I want more of you. And the Holy Spirit said, stop that. So he's like, get thee behind me, Satan. God, I want more of you. And the Holy Spirit said, stop that. It's like, well, that's weird. God, I want more of you. Third time, the Holy Spirit said, stop that. And he's like, 
um, God, is that you? Like, what do you mean? He said, because I've given all of myself to you. He said, you don't need more of me. I need more of you. And you know, things can only be full. You know, if you fill up your glass, you know, anybody ever, anybody order their drinks with no ice? All right, some people do. Usually it's because you want more Coke, right? If you go to McDonald's and, and you get a Coke, you get a glass full of ice and like one ounce of Coke and you're like, gone, right? Because it was full of ice. And God comes and he fills our hearts with himself. But so often our lives are still full of a lot of other things. And so if we're crying out for more of God, there's only one way to get more of him and that's to remove something that's taking up space that he wants. Like, Let's get a shovel and get some of that ice out of there and then get more Coke in it, right? I think you liked me up until right about that point. <laughs> Let's look together First Peter chapter 5. And I don't know how God's been speaking to you, how He's been dealing with you lately. I don't, you know, it's not like I've been talking with Pastor John and he's been saying, well, this person, you need to talk about this because this person is totally out of line in this area and this person's got this and this person's got that. I know nothing about any of you beyond what I can see with my eyeballs right now, right? So if God's stepping on your toes, then just talk to him about it. <laughs> First Peter chapter 5, and this is what God's wanting to do. It says, Starting in verse 6, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. We all like that second half, right? God, I want you to lift me up. I want you to put me in the place where you always you know, wanted me to be. And He's saying, humble yourselves under my hand. You're saying, no, I want you. I want the over. I want the up experience. I, I want the up. Can I have the up, please, God? And He's saying, humble yourself. Take it down a couple notches. Bring yourself under my authority. And you're saying, no, I, I, I ordered the up. The up experience, it's right here. It says up. Go higher. And God's saying, yeah, lower. You come under his hand, under his authority, and then he can take you higher. Amen? Verse 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. He actually cares. Anything God does in your life, it's because He cares about you and He cares for you. Verse 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So anytime you find yourself going, man, this is hard. Man, living for Jesus is rough sometimes. And this person's like all on me about it. And they don't like it that I, you know, believe this and blah, blah, yeah. Welcome to the family. Right? Our family, this is the kind of stuff we deal with. Right? You choose to be a Vikings fan, what happens? You got these people with the cheese on their head across the river, and they're like, oh, go Packers, go Packers. You're like, eh. Right? And in the end, that's all pretty well meaningless, if we're being honest, right? Compared to eternity, life and death, and heaven and hell, and all that. But 
right? We endure hardship for being a fan of a certain team. They have a bad year or lose a game or whatever. And we're like, oh, I'm suffering, I'm suffering. But, oh, my brother's in purple or my brother's in green or, you know, my brother's in orange and blue, which is even worse. Um, but we have to remember that we're part of something bigger than us. And when we're taking these steps and we're, we're allowing God to work in us and we're going, okay, God, I'm going to change this. I'm going to let you pull this tooth out. I'm going to let you do this and tear down this wall and rebuild this and rearrange and rewire and new plumbing. And whoo, this is hard. And, but other people are like, ah, oh, God's doing this in me too. And you're like, oh, great. Isn't it great to suffer together? We're both in pain. And and it allows us, it gives us the stamina and the motivation to keep going with God and to come to the finish line where we're like, oh man, this is amazing. Right? I mean, why do we like these home remodeling shows? You know, love it and love it or list it and all this stuff, right? Because at the end, they open the door and the couple walks in and they're like, oh, wow, I never could have imagined it would look this good. And when we allow God to work in our hearts and we humble ourselves and allow Him to, to correct us and allow it to take some of those things out that He needs to take out in order to make room for more of His goodness, when we get on the other side of that experience, we look back and go, wow, I didn't know it would be this good. What God had planned for my life, I didn't know it would be this amazing. But we have to trust Him. We have to humble ourselves. Verse 10, in His kindness... God has called you to share. This is amazing. God has called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. All the amazing, everything that God is, we get to share in. Isn't that awesome? You know, Grandma lets us come over, you know, on Thanksgiving, and she makes the most amazing turkey and stuffing and all this stuff, and we just get to share in it. Like, we bring our little wimpy salad, and we're like, here we are. Boom, bring on the food, right? We get to share in this amazing feast, and that's what the glory of God is for our hearts. The next sentence says, So after you've suffered a little while, a little while, suffering is short, little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. And you know, we go through seasons in life where everything seems to work, everything seems to fit. You know, if you ever you know, drive anywhere on the interstate, you're going straight for like a long time, and then you have that exit. What do you have to do? You have to slow down, take the corner, make the corner, blend into traffic, and okay, then you can go straight again. Everything's easy again, right? And so the way it is in our seasons of life, God takes us through certain seasons. He builds us up. He transforms us. He shapes us. He equips us. For a certain season, we learn how to walk in that season. Then after we've been in that season for a while, He comes knocking again and says, hey, I have a whole nother season coming. I need to get you ready for the next season. I have a whole nother thing that I want to do in you and through you, and I need to get you ready for that. So um, here, let's, let's, let's pull over for a minute. Let's, let's pop the hood. And uh, yeah, under here, we're going to need to make some changes. We're going to need to pull this motor out. We're going to need to bore it out and put bigger pistons in it. We're going to need to put a you know a bigger you know intake on there because you're going to need more horsepower in order to go you know. And it, it takes a while and it's painful. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this. And um, why everybody else is just driving by? Why am I sitting here on the side of the road and you're doing all this stuff under the hood? Well, because in a minute you're going to be able to go further faster. But you have to go through that intermittent season of transformation to be ready for the next season that's coming. And so I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord this morning, 
But I just felt like this is what the Lord wanted to say to you guys today, is that there's all these nice and wonderful things that God says, all these promises that we can take a hold of, but there's also times when He really starts to speak to us with a corrective voice and through His Word, and, and He reveals to us that there's some things out of line. There's some things that aren't right. There's some things that just don't fit, maybe, with what He's wanting to do in the next season of your life. And so we need to be open to that correction so He can prepare us for what He wants to do. And going back to the beginning, what we read is that we'll be complete. Let's go ahead and read that again. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 19, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And here's the cool thing, right? We love this next verse. People have it like tattooed on their arms. People have it on bumper stickers on their car. You know, verse 20, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You know, we like that. Exceedingly abundantly beyond all I can ask or think or hope or imagine or dream. And it says that by His mighty power at work within us. That's how it happens, right? So Him doing the exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think is still dependent upon our cooperation and allowing His power to work within us. Right? I mean, if you have, you know, you have a Mustang GT and you have 500 horsepower under the hood. If you get on the gas real good and you're standing on the brake with the other foot, you're going to sit there and the motor's going to rev, but you're going nowhere because you're standing on the brake. What do you have to do? Get your foot off the brake, pop the clutch, rip down the road, right? We have to let His power work within us. We have to take our foot off the brake and we have to say, okay, Lord, I've been holding back on you. I've been saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Jesus, I love you. And I'm ready to go with my foot on the brake pedal. Like, Jesus, just push my car. Just take my car and just fling me to the next town, right? Just somehow supernaturally transport me into the future. And he's saying, get your foot off the brake. Just take me away, God. Transport me into a supernatural place. And he's saying, your foot's on the brake. Get me over there, Jesus. Just do it. And he's saying, your foot's on the brake. Well, so let's take a moment this morning. Why don't we go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes and just talk to the Lord where you're at. Where in your life has the Holy Ghost been talking to you? Where have you been seeing in the Word that you have your foot on the brake? Is there a relationship that the Lord's been calling you to mend? Is there a habit that God's been calling? You know, you come to church once a month and the Lord's saying, hey, you need to be there every week. You know, is the Lord encouraging you to go to Karis? Or is the Lord saying, hey, uh, you need to stop ha- talking bad about your boss. You need to start ta- stop talking bad about your pastor. You need to stop complaining. Stop gossiping. What is it in your life where you really feel like 
God's been showing you something you need to correct, but you've been standing on the brake and saying, eh, I don't want to do that. I want to encourage you this morning to make that adjustment in your heart. Even if you'd say this morning, well, I don't know how to mend that relationship. I don't know how. Well, God will give us the how if we'll say yes. So I want to encourage you this morning to get willing. God's got so much more for you if you'll just say, okay, God, yes. And I ask you to show me how. I ask you for the grace to make it possible. I ask you to surround me with the right people who encourage me and hold me accountable and you know, God's saying uh, you need to stop looking at porn on the internet. God's saying uh, you need to uh, speak more kindly to your spouse. Maybe God's just saying something simple like, hey, you need to start exercising. Well, that can't be holy. Well, if God wants you to live longer so you can make an impact for Him, then maybe it is. Amen? So I just want to encourage you this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we just come to You right now. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank You that You're good. Father, we thank You that You've redeemed us through Christ, that You've drawn us to Yourself, and You've made it possible for us to be filled with the fullness of Your own nature and Your character. Thank You, Father, You've made it possible for us to please You and to walk with You. So, Father, this morning we acknowledge that we hear You speaking. We hear how You've been endeavoring to... uh, pluck some things from our lives, helping us to drop a habit. You've been trying to correct us in an area so that we can go further with You. And Father, we respond this morning. We say yes. We say yes, Jesus. We will obey. We say yes, Jesus. We trust You. We trust You. You know, you came, you lived on this earth as a human being. You know what it means to be human. You know what this is going to cost us. And you're calling us to do this, and we we trust you, Jesus. We trust you for grace and ability to do that. Father, we repent of it. If it's something sinful, especially, Father, we, we just choose to hate that like you do. Father, we thank you. Father, you said in your word, if we confess our sin, that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You make us clean as the day we were born again. So, Father, whatever sin we're turning from this morning, we just confess that to you. And, Father, we receive your forgiveness. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We thank you that we're on steady ground. We're on right footing with you, ready to march forward. If you're in here this morning, you've, you haven't begun that relationship with Jesus yet. You may believe that Jesus came and that He died and that He was raised from the dead, but you have not yet given your life to Him. Scripture says that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that He is Lord, we'll be saved. And He is Lord means that He's the boss. He's the Master. We recognize that, that He's the Lord of all creation. And specifically, He's Lord of me. And so I want to encourage you this morning. This really means just, I have had the steering wheel in my hands. I say, Jesus, here. You're the driver now. You're Lord. I turn from living for myself, and I live for you. And if you're in here this morning and you've never done that, you've never made that step to put your faith in Jesus for your salvation, 
I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. And so I'd like to ask you to raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying with. At the count of three, just raise your hand and say, Sean, I want to pray to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. In here this morning, you want to receive Jesus for the first time? All right, let's pray together. I'll pray first, and you can repeat after me. God, I come to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to give his life for me. I believe he died on the cross, and I believe he was raised from the dead. And Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord. I turn from serving myself to serve you. Have your way in my heart and life. Thank you for receiving me and making me a child of God. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you so much for your precious Holy Spirit who's working in our hearts and lives. We thank you, Father, for the glorious things that you've prepared for each and every individual here in this room and for this church as a whole. We thank you for the people that this church is going to reach in the days, weeks, and months to come. And Father, we just honor you. We thank you for helping us uh, to support one another as we choose to receive your correction and walk forward with you. In Jesus' name, amen.